Welcome to State Bar of Michigan's On Balance Podcast, where we talk about practice management and lawyer wellness for a thriving law practice with your hosts, Joanne Hathaway and Tish Vincent, here on Legal Talk Network. Take it away, ladies. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Tish Vincent. And I'm Joanne Hathaway. We're very pleased to have Ari Kaplan join us today as our podcast guest to talk about standing out in 2021. Ari is a legal industry analyst, principal of Ari Kaplan Advisors, and host of Reinventing Professionals podcast. In addition, Ari has authored two books, Reinventing Professional Services, Building Your Business in the Digital Marketplace, and The Opportunity Maker, Strategies for Inspiring Your Legal Career Through Creative Networking and Business Development. So Ari, would you share some information about yourself with our listeners? Thank you both. Yes, I am a lawyer. I spent nearly nine years practicing with large law firms in New York City. And during the period that I practiced, I published uh, probably 125 articles. I used to joke with people that I was a lawyer on the side. And so I had this passion for writing. And in 2006, I left the practice of law to become a writer, which at the time, every single person I knew thought that was a dumb idea except for my wife. And I'm grateful to her every day for that because it's really turned out to be quite a wonderful experience. And so for the past 14 years, I have been writing about and covering legal. I've written, as you mentioned, a couple of different books, but also produced a tremendous amount of market research, tracking trends, particularly over the last decade, and have focused pretty significantly on technology, whether that's technology affecting what happens in-house in law departments, at law firms, but what what's changing in our profession and how do we navigate those changes? That's become particularly important, obviously, in the last year. What does the research that you produced in 2020 tell us about where legal is headed? Every year, I am lucky to produce a certain number of reports. So at this point, I have to have published uh, somewhere over 40 reports. But in the past year, I was very lucky to produce a report focused on general counsel trends to interview 77 in-house lawyers during the peak of the pandemic period about gender equity and legal, to interview a a cross-section of in-house and law firm lawyers on litigation finance, to speak with law firm finance leaders themselves, CFOs, heads of billing and accounting at law firms of all sizes about law firm economics, to speak to, gosh, 31 regulators in 18 countries about the shifting nature of the regulatory environment around the world, particularly during the pandemic. So I was very lucky this year to focus on a range of different groups, but all of my research goes back into legal. Whether I'm speaking to legal administrators or law firm partners or general counsel or chief information security officers, it's all meant to provide guidance that is beneficial to the legal industry as a whole. And I try to understand the industry by by 
pulling together the different pieces and the different constituencies to draw a really clear, complete picture. And it's a profession in transition, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. a profession in transition starting in April or or May. It, It was a profession. It's always been a profession in transition, and it was accelerated by what's occurred. And if anything, it simply indicates that next year will be an increased period of change that has been positive for the most part. One of the law firm leaders that I spoke to about collections, right? So I try to talk to professionals about the most practical, straightforward issues so that when I share the research, the findings are practical and understandable and can be applied immediately. So one of the interesting examples was during my uh, research that I did for a company called LSQ on law firm finances, they said there was an issue, you know, obviously lots of firms are struggling with liquidity, for example, just given the nature of, of what's happening in our economy and certainly in the legal economy. And someone said, you know, what this has done is it's made us more efficient. It's driven us to get our time in more quickly, to follow up on outstanding invoices. This is not tremendous innovation, but it's making a big difference. And it was accelerated by the fact that the pandemic caused a shift in the economy and the need to make some changes. So I think that you are going to see more of that, that firms, organizations, law departments, all kinds of legal tech companies will realize, wait a second, we started doing something that has actually turned out to benefit us, our clients, our employees. We should keep doing that. We should make that better. If that's improving Mm -hmm. the client experience, if that's improving the quality of the work, if that's improving the turnaround time, why not? continue along those lines and see if we can approve that so that when people return to whatever operations they think looked more like what they were doing at the beginning of this year, they're not just sort of creating a bridge from one part of that period to another, but they're kind of elevating themselves from where they were to where they're going to be. Ari, where do you see opportunities for legal professionals in 2021? You know, this is a difficult period because with resource constraints comes reevaluation and organizations are trying to figure out what do we need? What will we need? What did we need? How does that compare? In many instances, there's not as great a sense of physical visibility. And what I mean by that is you're not seeing people in the office. You don't see the hum of the work because many people aren't there. But certainly there's productivity. In fact, there were a significant number of of reports, discussions, anecdotal conversations about the fact that productivity was much higher during the period of of intense lockdown and people were producing at a level that made, you know, sometimes made their employers or their managers nervous because they felt like it was unsustainable. So, you know, where there's going to be opportunity is where people try to think more broadly about their role and the opportunities that are available to their organizations that they might not have thought about. This period has been wonderful in terms of bringing people together. They're 
not traveling for the most part, and there may be some availability that wasn't there. I, for example, started hosting a CEO roundtable in May. And so I produce a lot of content. Many of my clients are legal technology companies or legal services providers, some law firms. I speak to law departments and I wanted to create an opportunity for leaders of organizations to be able to, in a safe space, connect with one another and maybe meet some new people because that isn't as easily accessible at this moment. And it was wonderful. I had this incredible group of, of extraordinarily talented CEOs on this call. We had this Zoom call. They knew that I wasn't going to do anything with the information. They knew that nobody else was going to do anything. But after you know, we had an introduction or two and, and an icebreaker question, people were so excited to ask each other, what have you been doing? How are you motivating your employees? What are you doing about time off? And just asking practical questions and then sort of what's your vision for this? And, and of course, I've tried to make those calls diverse to get a diverse perspective for people who are not in the U.S., people who are doing technology and services, people who are larger, some who are smaller, people who are raising money, people who have just raised money. And it's been an extremely interesting initiative because the the ability to bring people together and to give them the chance to connect with one another has been really powerful for me to learn from them and for, to see them learning from each other and to see them feeling comfortable asking each other what they can do. And I think the opportunity in 2021 is to continue that community building and organizations that do that both with their teams. You saw this happening a lot with a happy hour here or, or, you know, all these kinds of initiatives. You know, I say to my kids that it's very easy to start something. It's not as easy to keep it going. And so the organizations that maintain some level of continuity, that pick and choose what was significant, what could work, that stay creative, will reap the benefits the meeting for the CEOs, is that the virtual lunch on Zoom that, that you were describing or is that something else? It's not. That's a very funny. Thanks for okay. asking about that. So so back, I think it was March 15th, like that, that was the Sunday, I posted something to LinkedIn and I, I said, you know, I'm going to be around. I'm not traveling and you may not be traveling either. You may not even be going to an office if you want, I'm going to be hosting a Zoom call for a week, 30 minutes a day, and I'd love to see you there. And that was the whole initiative. I called it the virtual lunch. I set up a Zoom link and people popped in and it was really nice. And it was just a nice way to create community just to see what people are thinking. And of course, in the beginning, you're asking people questions about how it's going for them. You know, what are, what are the numbers and, you know, all the kind of statistical details that you'd want to know when you're isolated. But then very quickly, the 30-minute call became an hour, and then the week, the week finished, and I said, you know what, I'll be on again on Monday if anybody wants to be back, and I'm pretty, tomorrow will be the 169th virtual lunch. Wow. So oh, I have, we have done this. That's for, impressive. Yeah, it's been 30-something weeks now. We've had all kinds of extraordinary guests, the president of the American Bar Association, the general counsel of the American Red Cross. Professor Bill Henderson, you know, just the most extraordinary individuals sharing perspectives, having conversations. Every Tuesday now, we have an initiative. It's called 
the feedback forum. So every Tuesday on the virtual lunch, and the virtual lunch is open to anyone. You can go to avirtuallunch.com. The Zoom link will be there. You can see the initial LinkedIn post. And on Tuesdays, we invite technology companies or services providers or anybody with a new idea that they want to test out. Someone asked us about the change of name of their company. Someone wanted to show us a new feature. It's essentially like a safe space to get some feedback from a focus group, if you will. And it's been it's been really wonderful. And I think that the, the idea of creating community, you know, the, the CEO roundtable that I mentioned was inspired in some ways from this concept of, wow, bring people together and see if, see if magic happens. And I think that that is a piece of this puzzle that I have been trying to put together in that we're, we're sort of missing each other in, in this environment. It's been a challenge for a lot of people to, to find ways to connect for sort of no reason at all. That's the serendipity of networking. There's intentional networking, and then there's, there's this sort of hallway conversation at an event. And the virtual lunch is, is kind of a hybrid of those. And, I, and I'm so gratified, in fact, that people on the virtual lunch will say, oh, you know, I spoke with so-and-so who was on the lunch, and we're going to have a meeting, and I'm going to show them my software, and they're going to – and it's just a great way for people to create opportunities or you mentioned that the title of my first book is called the opportunity maker so that's a you know very meaningful mission of mine and if i can do that you know and help others do that i think that's that's really critical how are lawyers networking you just talked about networking but in general other than your zoom meetings how are they networking and engaging in business development while working from home the only way they can really do it is through my meeting no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, I think that, <laughs> I mean, I have, it's, it's, it's funny because I spent a lot of time thinking about networking. I have developed a software platform that's called Law Accountability and firms across the country and lawyers across the country use this tool and it essentially is designed to build accountability into your marketing and business development. And I develop and post a new video every single week in this library. The library now features over 350 different programs. And so I have been consistently thinking about networking in a way that can be dynamic and proactive. And I think about it from a business development standpoint that it's not like pushing a boulder up a hill. It's much more like flicking a marble across a table. And in this environment, there's a couple of things that need to happen. Many, many professionals, I, I'm lucky to coach partners at, at various firms across the country and also firm owners. So they may be solo, small firm practitioners. And I have found that you know their networking is often driven by events. It's driven by being somewhere. And in an environment where you can't go anywhere, many people are struggling with simply abandoning the networking. But, you know, my, again, my philosophy, as I mentioned before, is not to bridge where we were to where we're going to be in a kind of a flat line, but to kind of create a staircase so that when we get to wherever we are going from the standpoint of, of this pandemic, that people are elevated. They're in a position that they, they wouldn't have needed to, you know, kind of have any setbacks. 
what they should be doing is being more intentional, thinking about who they would have liked to meet had they been at that event and trying to focus on a whole array of initiatives that will allow them to meet those individuals. So I always try to, you know, visualize things. And so if you were if you were thinking about a funnel, you would kind of, you know, go to an event and stuff all of the people that you met at this event into the top of the funnel. And then at some point, you know, you'd pop out of the bottom several like chocolates or something. And those would be your highest value leads. But you can't do that anymore. You can't just stuff all of them into the top because you're not going anywhere where they're all going to congregate. So now what you need to do is you need to imagine having all of them at the bottom as seeds that sort of sprout and then the top sort of, you know, blossoms into this tree. And I think that when you're doing that, it becomes much more important for you to have almost kind of a vision board of the people that you're trying to meet, the the places where they are. Is there, you know, could you connect them? Could you create your own virtual lunch? Could you create your own CEO roundtable? Are there initiatives that will allow you to bring people together? But Intentionally, the people that you like to bring together. I have hosted, for example, several general counsel events where I brought together general counsel in a Zoom discussion, which was meant to, in some ways, serve as a virtual representation of a series of dinners that I had started hosting in 2019, continued into 2020, and even hosted in Frankfurt, Germany. I had this wonderful experience. I was scheduled and was fortunate to deliver the keynote at a conference in Prague on March 11th. So I had proposed to a company to create a dinner for general counsel in Frankfurt on Monday, March 9th. And I did that specifically because I have no connection to the city. You know, I was just experimenting to see, could I host a dinner with senior leaders in a city I have absolutely no connection, I'm in a country I have no connection to, and would the theme of bringing people together, would the theme of allowing them to share knowledge with each other transfer? And what was what was incredible about this experience was that you know a week before, everybody was coming. Every day, somebody else had some rule that they couldn't come. Their company, you know, sort of prohibited meetings. And I made this game day decision on March 8th to fly to Germany and hope for the best. And I get to Germany and all these people continue to cancel. And I thought, wow, this is very interesting. But miraculously, all of the people that couldn't come because they were traveling, now were not traveling and could come. And it turned out to be the most extraordinary discussion. And even I couldn't believe just how, what a wonderful dinner it was. And then I flew to Prague the next day. It was funny. It felt a little bit like a, one of those disaster movies where you're driving your car and behind you, the earth is cratering in. You're trying to outrun the earth cratering in. Uh, and then of course, on the 11th that night, the president, I think gets on TV and says, time to come home. And my wife's like, I was like, I'm coming home. I'm coming home. But I think that it's important to, to recognize that if networking has to change, Let's just change with it. Let's adapt. Let's pivot. People still want to get connected. So it's much more a matter of you reaching out with a, a you know more intentional reason than simply, hey, and you know, you don't get you don't get the benefit of the hey and the handshake in, in a random event, but you can certainly have a virtual coffee, a virtual lunch, and a group gathering that will provide more value than the time people are investing. 
What changes that you have observed or researched through 2020 do you see are going to have a lasting effect? I have been asking this question, so I will refer people to my podcast, which is reinventingprofessionals.com, because there are much smarter people than me who I have asked questions like that too, that have shared their perspectives, and I'm grateful to them for doing so. It's interesting. Anything that is driving efficiency in this environment will continue. Anything that is adding value will continue. I don't think that the dramatic shift to virtual whatever, virtual hearings, virtual court, virtual meetings, I don't think that all of a sudden you're going to, you know, they'll get the all clear and and everyone's just going to start doing things less efficiently because they can. And people who anticipate that, and, and you know, Sadly, you're going to have some time still to anticipate. We're not getting that, whatever that all clear looks like, it seems for a while, but it will eventually come. And so why not position yourself to be so well-informed and so familiar with what things, you know, which areas you can showcase immediate improvement in and how you can provide benefit very quickly. Why not be so well-versed in that so that when that time comes, you're in a much greater advantage. You have a much better competitive position than your peers, and you're providing a level of service and responsiveness that is so meaningful to people that they are just thinking of you and that your, your profile is the one that is elevated beyond all others. Interesting. That's a good way to think about it. Well, if you think about it the other way, you're bummed. Yeah, exactly. There's only one way. If you're not if you're not looking at this optimistically, then yes. you know, I think I think that you have challenges. But I also think that this is an opportunity to experiment. In a virtual environment, the table is larger. And so that means there are more seats. People will have opportunities they otherwise wouldn't have had. If I was a junior professional in this environment, I would say, I'd love to watch the deposition or the trial. The, the organization might not have paid for me to fly wherever to be part of that deposition, you know, thinking they'd have to pay for my time and bill for my time and the client's not paying. Now I can just volunteer and say, on my own time, I'd love to be part of this. I'd love to learn about this. I'd love to develop that level of knowledge, whatever you were spending on your commute or all these other things that sucked up some 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 time, just repurpose that for mm -hmm. something that's going to give you an advantage, that's going to allow you to work together with somebody. Everybody is struggling. People who recognize that there is universal struggle here and can find a way to alleviate that for, for their peers, for their the, the people with whom they work, their supervisors, their clients, that level of understanding and empathy can really create opportunities that I, th I don't think people would have seen and even imagined a, a year ago. It sounds like you have a kind of boldness you're, or you're encouraging people to have a boldness. If you think of it and you'd like to reach out to that person or start a group of people connecting, just do it. Am I hearing that correctly? Just, you know, go with the idea. Don't second guess yourself. Reach out. These There's other people out there that are going to respond and be open to what you're offering. 
I think of it as a bit of an adventure and taking some calculated risks. I'll share with you a very brief story that when uh, I'm a big New York Mets fan, I know that I'm, I'm speaking to the folks in Michigan, but I'm a, I'm a big New York Mets fan, so forgive me. And uh, my son, uh, who's now 17, is and my whole family, my daughter, 15, you know, like we're, we're a big Mets fan family, but particularly mm-hmm. my son and I. And when the Mets were in the World Series in, in 2015, it was a big deal. I mean, I cut school in 1986 to go to the parade. <laughs> so I remember that, you know, being in 2015, it was a really big deal. And my son wanted to go to the World Series. And I asked my wife what, you know, what she thought. And I said, you know, what do you think we could spend on tickets if we were going to go? And she gave us some ridiculously low number. And I knew we'd never get tickets. And I said to my son, look, I, I, we, can't, we can't buy tickets. We could try. I said, I'll, why don't we do this? I'll make a deal with you. I'll take you to City Field. And maybe at the last minute, something will pop up on StubHub and we'll be able to get a couple of seats. And, you know, I don't know. But, but I'm not going to, you know, go above what mom said we can spend. He's like, really? I was like, I like being married more than I like going to a baseball game, even the World Series with your buddy. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll do it. And so we, we go to City Field. You know, to his credit, he took the risk with me. We went to City Field. We were sitting out there. We we're, were, you know, checking and checking and like talking to people and checking. And, and uh, we, we don't get tickets. We, it doesn't happen. You know, we're listening to Billy Joel sing the national anthem. We're outside. Nobody's around. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel terrible. But it's a lesson that you got to, you know, sometimes you learn lesson in different ways. And I said to my son, I was like, all right, listen, I think it's time for us to go. It's cold out here. We're not, we're not obviously going to be successful tonight. And he said, okay. And we start walking away and out of nowhere, a, a man walks up to us and says, you know, are you guys a father and a son? And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, we are. It was very odd. And he said, would you like to go to the game? And I said, yes, yes, we would. And he said, here. And he handed us two completely free tickets to go to the World Series. Oh, and wonderful. we thought for sure they were not real because they were just, you know, photocopied pieces of paper that he had printed online. And we thanked him and we were smiling, but we were suspect and, you know, there was nobody around. And so we walked to the turnstile and my son's like, what do I do? And I was like, try it. And he tries it and it worked. And I thought, now I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is like some kind of joke. Like there'll only be one good ticket. Now my son's going to go to the game and I have to wait outside for the whole game. So I do it. And of course my ticket works. We can't believe this. We are freaking out. And, you know, we're about to run into the stadium and I stop him and I look at him. And I said, listen to me, do you know why we got these tickets? And he said, yes, because that man gave us tickets. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, we got these tickets because we were the only people here. We put ourselves into this path of opportunity and it worked. And he was like, huh. Then we both ran inside. (laughs) I I don't know know how deeply that that sank in. Uh, I will say that the money that we were, we we, we did, we did end up donating the money that we were going to spend on the tickets. And that was another lesson uh, that I tried to teach. But I think that that's, that's maybe a little bit longer of a story that I meant to tell. But the point is that it's really important for people to, even in this environment, even where you can't be as proactive publicly is to you know put yourself in a position of trying. I, I'm fascinated that so many CEOs agree that they will join these roundtables and then show up. You know, it's it's one thing for someone to say I'll come, and that's another thing for them to show up. And it's been you know just amazing and wonderful. You know, to it's just kind of them. But I think you know I I can only hope that they also get value out of it. And and then you know that's why I've done four of them, and I'm I'm you know planning to do them uh, pretty much monthly. You know, moving forward. That's wonderful, Ari. Well, it looks like we've come to the end of our show. 
We'd like to thank our guest today, Ari Kaplan, for a wonderful program. Ari, if our guests would like to follow up with you, how can they reach you? They're welcome to visit my website. It's AriKaplanAdvisors.com. You've mentioned my podcast and and some other places, but it, you know I'm happy to also share with your listeners some infographics that I have created on branding, public speaking, other kinds of marketing, getting published. So they're welcome to visit my website. You can contact me there or you can email Ari at AriKaplanAdvisors.com. And I'm grateful for this opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ari. This has been another edition of the State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Tish Vincent. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan On Balance podcast. Brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.